Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. Well, I think I did what I could with the material available. <laughs> I am, frankly, uh, I, you should be applauded for the amount of material you were able to pull from the Magnavox Odyssey 2. It's all about unreasonable extrapolation from the smallest point. <laughs> so, there's a lot of my childhood I don't really remember, but I do remember very clearly that the games of the Magnavox Odyssey 2, mm-hmm. which really, this was like so early on in gaming, this was like a step up from Pong where it was just like a toy. Yes. The, the fact... The fact that the Magnavox Odyssey 2 had different games and cartridges that came in boxes that you could swap out and build and you could build your own custom library of games. That was apparently something amazing. (laughs) Yes, that was all new back then. And it should be noted that like the cartridge design in general was beautiful. And in the research I did about the Magnavox Odyssey, uh, all the cartridges had like a handle on them. So, you know, you'd put them in and you'd have to like grip the handle to take the cartridge out, which is which is really neat. Ah, yes. If you look at an old picture of the console, it looks like a prop from like the 1970s era Doctor Who or something. Yes, exactly. The the, the other uh, amazing thing about the Magnavox Odyssey was they hadn't quite figured out what a, a home console video game was supposed to be. Is it true that you were supposed to have it on your lap? I have no idea. <laughs> I was mainly like sitting cross-legged in front of the TV holding a joystick in my hand. The what what I found was that like the the Odyssey two had very long AV cables and very long power cables and of course a lot of the games were you were supposed to type on the console and the keyboard was was connected to the console and it had a very short controller cable and so you were supposed to have the console like on your lap or very close to you while playing it which is very different from how we do it now. Well, that makes sense considering it did have the alphanumeric keyboard actually built onto the console physically <laughs> yes just under where you inserted the cartridge mm-hmm. those buttons were right asked to press <laughs> oh yeah no and it, it was like like you didn't actually press the buttons in it was just like a a sheet of decals <laughs> on a circuit board and you just like press down and and hope that the console would register it right it's not a keyboard as as you are picturing a keyboard in front of you right now it it it's like a like electronic triggers on a very flat thing it looked awful yeah. to actually yeah. use you know those little electronic storybooks you used to have when as a kid where you press the <laughs> the cat the press the cow and it went move yes. like that. or like a speak and spell absolutely yeah <laughs> but as i said i didn't have very many games for it mm-hmm. in fact when i first got it it was already really old because I remember playing it when I was the, must have been around like five or six. And I think my parents must have just like gotten it from a friend or something, like, or second hand. Because it first came out literally when I was born. Oh, okay. Like it was a, a first release in Europe in 1978, and I was uh, born in '83. Mm. So it would have been like ten years old by the time I first started playing with it. I was I was wondering about that. I, I was wondering about like how much older 
than me you are that that was your first console but you are slightly younger than me and that was still your first console yeah. <laughs> it was a second-hand thing and my parents were cheapskates ah. the first like contemporary gaming machine i had which even which was also like kind of old by then was the commodore 64 oh okay which i i guess i have more nostalgia for that than the odyssey 2 to be honest i was sticking to the uh the premise that it had to be our first console <laughs> and i thought it would be funnier <laughs> I have to argue that this <laughs> lump of plastic that I played all of three games on right. was the best console ever. No, I think, and again, you did a, a quality, quality job defending it. Mind you, I looked at videos of like Pickaxe Pete in yeah. preparation, and I was right back there on my living room carpet. <laughs> oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> I feel the exact same way about Pong 4. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the other two? I'm assuming like one of them was like four player pong with like four paddles no no it only had two paddles you know it was, it was two player pong like so pong one was standard pong each player gets their own paddle yeah uh pong the the second version was you could play as a wall with a hole in it ah reverse pong reverse pong and you had to it was your job to get the ball in your hole Okay. Because, uh, yeah, if it was just normal Pong with that, it would probably have been a damn sight easier. <laughs> and then uh, and then it was it was like a single-player tennis Pong, where it was just you versus a wall, like pra- almost like practice Pong. So squash, then. Squ- Ooh, Pong, there you go. Pong squash. Pong squash. Which and... sounds like something else, if you just <laughs> hear the sounds. <laughs> Pong squash. Oh, no, my mother-in-law made Pong squash again. <laughs> I hate the smell that it fills the house with. Oh, I th- I thought it sounded more like a euphemism. Like, oh, yeah, me and the missus last night had a little pong squash. Uh, I'm not sure what you're picturing, but let's move on. <laughs> ah, fair enough. No, and so like uh, when I when I was younger, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house as they were uh, they were my closest neighbor. I grew mm-hmm. up uh, in in farm country, and my only my only and closest neighbor were my grandparents. And so they had Pong 4, so I spent a lot of time on Pong 4. Hmm. So what was the fourth uh, kind of Pong again? I'm trying Oh, I'm trying to remember what the fourth version of Pong was. Just two walls, no players. I just <laughs> I don't I don't remember what the fourth version of Pong was. And this might be my my greatest downfall. Oh, someone'll know. Right? Maybe maybe the internet knows. That's what I'm Googling Pong 4 console right now. Uh, let's see here. I'm just looking at Pong. Oh, what do you know? Pong had a lawsuit with Magnavox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, Magnavox had a lot of bad luck on the legal side of things. Oh, sure. They, they were sued by Atari. But in fairness, the Atari home version of Pac-Man was legendarily bad. <laughs> yes. And, Munch, and Munchkin was actually fun. And it is, I mean... it. It looks like the gameplay was different enough from Pac-Man, but the just the sheer presentation was nothing but Pac-Man. I mean, in fairness, you're in a maze and you eat pills. And when you eat a power pill, you can eat a ghost. Yeah. And the objective is to eat all the pills. But there wasn't much to work with at the time. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't like if... Uh, you bring out a game now and someone copies it off directly, then they've obviously copied you. But there's not much you can do with a screen full of very huge pixels. Mm. And, and like a four-directional joystick. 
Ooh, okay. I found I found I found Pong. It's Super Pong Four Games. Right. Super Pong Four Games. Atari Pong model C140. Okay, hold on. Atari Pong C-140. What was the fourth game? We must know. I must know. Oh, uh, the fourth version. Yes. Okay, I remember this. The fourth version was doubles, where you controlled two paddles, one near the edge of the screen and one near the center of the screen. Well, there you go. (laughs) Can can you get that out of Mario Tennis these days? Right. Probably not. <laughs> I'm glad this mystery is finally solved. Um, so, yeah, we had, we had Super Pong, or Pong 4 as I knew it, uh, not to be confused with Pong Far. Pong <laughs> which, Far. Yeah, that's a different thing. Which is uh, Vulcans being horny. I'm aware, yes. And uh, my older siblings, some of my older siblings uh, had did have an original NES, but I very rarely got to play that. So I don't consider that my first oh. console. Well, yeah, that was a bit of a cheat. You know, I skipped ahead two consoles there. Well, but like I said, it, it wasn't really mine. I only like I rarely, rarely got to play that. The first console, like my first console, I want to say like I saved up money. It was literally my console was the Super Nintendo. Mm. Well, I suppose by that definition, my first console would have been the Commodore 64 as well, because that was the one um, that was mine that I had in my room. I had like 300 games on cassette for that thing. Oh, yeah? All piled up on my shelf. <laughs> but then we got burgled and they took them all. Oh, I'm so sorry for I was past very, you. I was very sad. <laughs> Tried to build up a new collection of cassette tapes, but by then it was a little tragically retro. Oh wait! Did they ju- they just stole the cassettes, not the actual Commodore? No, they stole the Commodore as well. Oh. They stole a lot of shit. We were on holiday. They had they could just like clean out the place. Oh, that's absolutely terrible! What what monsters? It's beyond the pale, really. Absolutely. How very rude! <laughs> I've got, I've a good mind to give them a good talking to. <laughs> but yeah, we, my parents just got me another Commodore oh, further well. down the line. Well, that's nice. And then and then we were like weirdly felt like the duty to be loyal to the commodore company for many years so after that we had a commodore amiga <laughs> then we had an amiga cd32 and thank christ i didn't have to argue that that was the best console ever <laughs> old mister dropped after six months to give every other console a chance oh sure i think everyone seems to have this sort of strand of gaming dna which is the list of consoles they had growing up mm-hmm I think I've, always, I've sometimes thought you could set up like a social media site based around that, <laughs> where everyone has to list their like their console history. Sure, and then you then you know exactly who to talk to for the best nostalgia trips. <laughs> so my DNA strand is the Magnavox Odyssey two, the Commodore sixty four, the Amiga six hundred, the Amiga CD thirty two, then the PlayStation one. Oh, then the then the GameCube. Then the PlayStation 2 a little bit after that. And then from that point on, it's basically every console because it was my job. Right, right. In- that's a very... In- you you did some very interesting hopping there. Mm, hopped around a bit. You did. We dropped, <laughs> you the, did. Uh, we dropped the Commodore train and got with the Winners Club around the <laughs> PlayStation times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and we... I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. We went... So I had a Super Nintendo... 
And then my mom got us all a a Sega um, Sega Saturn. Hmm. That was our big like next gen jump, and I played the crap out of some Sega Saturn. Yeah, that was a ended up bit, Sega was on a bit of a dead end at that point. Hundred percent. There was no Sonic game on the Saturn, if I remember right. I don't remember a Sonic game. Yeah. They were working on one. Like a tentpole Sonic game for the Saturn, but there never was one. Uh, listen, they didn't need Sonic because they because they had Gex, the the wise Kraken Gecko spy with amazing cutscenes and graphics. Gex was where it was at. It's funny how wise Kraken mascots just sort of died. <laughs> with uh, I want to say I did a zero punctuation once on the uh, the transition the transitional period of mostly 2d graphics to mostly 3d graphics Mm -hmm. around the time of the fifth generation of consoles and one of the things that mysteriously died with 2d graphics was mascot platformers the playstation didn't really have a mascot it had crash bandicoot but it had but it was never considered a mascot mascot right well that's been sony's sony's like forever failure is not is there like their litany of failed mascots, right? We had like we had Ratchet and Clank, you had Sly Cooper, you had Crash Bandicoot. They, nothing ever stuck with them. Yeah, they tried, but in the end, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Who was the mascot for the Xbox? Uh, there weren't one, except maybe Master Chief. Ma- yeah, that's, that's it. Funny, I guess you could say maybe it wasn't so much gaming growing out of two D graphics as gaming becoming more of a universal pastime rather than a one for the kitty wings oh yeah no and and like the snarky mascot was just always that like awkward part of the awkward transition yeah that was the big selling point of sonic when they first came about was that he was the edgy mascot he had yeah. angry eyes he he had an attitude he waggled his finger at things yes perfect for teenagers well you're not a kid anymore you're a teenager you uh, uh, screw the adults you know nintendo wasn't terribly big in europe Oh, okay. They kind of botched the launch of the NES, so for a while we were pretty strong Sega territory. <laughs> sure, that's. I think that's fascinating. Most people had like the Sega, the Sega Mega Drive, as we called it, mm. which was what you would call the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. And then, did you even get like the what? What was the uh, the thirty two X expander for the for the Genesis? Well, I wouldn't know. I never had one myself. Oh. <laughs> No, I just remember that back back in the day, uh, I, I used to work at a used games and movie store, mm. and we had we had that. There, were, it on, it only had like four games that came with it, but it was like a a mini console that you would plug into the game slot for your Sega Genesis, and then you'd plug a game on top of that to help boost its graphical power. Yeah, the Genesis had like nine of those. There's <laughs> pictures of people like stacking them all up. <laughs> to use at once there was that there was the game genie there was the sonic and knuckles thing where you could plug any sonic game into and play knuckles mm-hmm. that's right that's, right. that's what you don't get with games of today <laughs> well you get uh, instead of hardware mods we just have software mods bah. Bah. <laughs> it's not it's not the same plugging like the circuit board directly into the machine I agree. So you, could, so you could like basically completely rework the hardware from cartridge to cartridge <laughs> it's like it's like those old like moog synthesizers where you actually had to like plug in patch cables Mm. from one thing to another thing nostalgia ha nostalgia indeed 
Uh, I just, uh, you, you know, one thing that we we did uh, kind of uh, skirt around, we uh, we got into it a little bit, is like just how influential that Super Nintendo controller is, though. Yeah, the uh, I guess people were still experimenting with controllers up to the DualShock, which mm-hmm. became the standard, and and it still is the standard. Yeah, yeah. Was the SNES the first to have four buttons on the right? As as far as I know, four buttons on the right and shoulder buttons. I believe the SNES was the first controller with shoulder buttons and four mm-hmm. buttons on the right. I mean, because the Genesis controller just had the three buttons, didn't it? Right. But I, and it, no, I didn't have shoulder buttons. Oh, it had um, six buttons. Isn't that right? One, I didn't get the Genesis button. One of them did. But but yeah. like like the top three buttons were just like the turbo versions of A, B, oh. and C, where it just pressed it a million oh, times per yeah. second. Oh, wait a minute. Uh-oh. I just remembered the Amiga CD32 controller had four buttons on the right. <gasps> Did it? Oh, boy, that was after the SNES there, wasn't it? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you look up the CD32 controller, it's got the four buttons, but they're arranged in a square rather than a diamond, which kind of throws me looking at it now. Oh. Well, there were some pretty weird controllers before the DualShock standardized everything. Absolutely. But yeah, the SNES seems to have been on the way there. Do you ever see the Atari Jaguar controller? Uh, I'm looking up uh, right now. I just have like a list with pictures of all like controllers. And actually, no, I don't. Oh, oh, there's the Jag. Oh, my Lord. What is that? <laughs> it was sort of that uh, they wanted to have a calculator keypad incorporated into it as well. The reason best known to themselves that is a bizarre controller it's, it's got a d-pad but it's got like a uh, a nine directional d-pad so if you're gonna do that sort of thing i say go all the way with your magnavox odyssey 2 style alphanumeric keyboard absolutely or not at all i mean if you i mean just having a number pad i think we're all used to having to press up and down to select the letter you want while entering your name on things like the snares Mm-hmm. What what possible benefit does just having a number pad add? Right? You know, like, more impressive than the Atari Jaguar, as far as, like, actual legacy of controllers go, is the Neo Geo CD controller. Oh, give me a sec. Which, which has, like, a proto-joystick. Oh, yeah, just sticking out there. I mean, if you look at the, the SNK Neo Geo controller... There's a lot of a lot of like fighting game enthusiasts prefer the arcade style stick with buttons setup. Yes, they could just rattle away at like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. These are some, I'm just like looking now. I'm just looking at amazing controllers, uh, basically. Well, and I, I I suppose like that's just one of those things. Is obviously like you know Nintendo had the games, hmm. the the controller, something that that never did come up. But I was ready to bring up as far as Super Nintendo Nintendo's control is the Super FX chip, hmm. the the faux 3D movement that you got on the Super Nintendo unparalleled. The Mode Seven is that is that what it was called? Well, that's why I've heard it called that style of graphics. Like what Mario Kart used. Yeah, yeah. It made it what looked 3D, but was really just, you know, perspective tricks with 2D art. Exactly, exactly. Which is how most early 2D worked, I suppose. Right, looking back at old, like, Wolfenstein and Doom, and it's just, like, cardboard cutouts. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that's just really crazy messing around with 2D images. Yeah, yeah, which it's fun, but it's like... 
again, it was a big step forward as far as consoles were concerned. I mean, like, obviously, looking back now, that Star Fox on the Super Nintendo is incredibly dated. But for the time, oh, that was mind-blowing. And everything's mind-blowing for the time. Pickaxe Pete <laughs> was mind-blowing for the time. <laughs> In terms of, like, legacy, it's hard to say the Odyssey 2 has much at all. <laughs> It's, it was, people remember it as the knockoff of the Atari 2600, and only people who had them had any kind of nostalgia for it. I don't think you can see any seeds of influence in modern gaming today. You know, one of the most interesting things about the Odyssey was the Odyssey 1, where it actually came with, like, sheets of paper to stick onto your television screen. That's how they did it. That's how old arcade machines used to do it, just with just decals. Yeah, isn't that like to me that's that's beautiful thinking outside the box of like we just don't have the technology to render these graphics. Okay, we'll ship you a piece of paper, stick it to your TV screen and we'll we'll supply the glowing lights behind it. Yeah, famously Space Invaders was black and white, but they issued like colored gels that the arcades could put on the screens. Yeah, so that your your ship could be orange. And presumably anything else that dropped down that low would become orange. <laughs> and like to me, that's fun. That is a that's like a neat stepping stone as far as home consoles are concerned. Obviously, the Odyssey two ditched that, but I I really like looking back at the history of uh, of of, of side stepping limitations. The Odyssey two had a whole sixteen colors, eight, a whole eight of which the sprites could use. Ooh. <laughs> smacks of you know when you're a kid and you make your own tv out of a cereal box and put it on your head and and be the tv announcer <laughs> it was a step up from that really exactly but it's a you know it's an adorable step it wasn't exactly part of the tech tree though was it well to to be fair a, a branch that goes nowhere is still part of the tree i suppose little stubby branch with uh <laughs> little maggoty nest in the middle right oh oh you see that branch it doesn't go anywhere and it kind of died at the end there but it's still part of the part of the tree yeah it could still be something you could conceivably put your foot on while climbing up to nicer places exactly all of all of uh the the mistakes are just part you know the uh what what was the nintendo i'm god damn it the the 3d the, the mode 7 the big no no the I'm thinking like the visor that you put on oh the the virtual boy yes the virtual boy is you know a stinking rotting branch but it's still part of the yeah. tree I think the problem with the virtual boy was that the Nintendo corporate sort of latched onto it a bit too much mm. it was really only ever a sort of casual experiment mm-hmm. in the idea of VR gaming and they were all like no we have to push this because <laughs> I think it was like they delayed one of their consoles so they felt they needed something to like focus on for a bit oh okay sure but yeah for me a big part of vr is the head tracking and with the virtual boy you were expected to just (laughs) prop it up on a table and sit still (laughs) yes yes mistakes were made definitely (laughs) <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's people with nostalgia for the virtual boy absolutely there's people with nostalgia for pretty much everything you think i mean i got nostalgia for pickaxe pete for fuck's sake <laughs> and you know the only reason i brought up pickaxe pete is because it's such a fun name to say i know right pickaxe pete was great you're a little man animating you had to jump over the boulders 
but it wasn't like Donkey Kong. Well, it was a it was a bit like Donkey Kong. It was ex- it was exactly like Donkey Kong. Yeah, you had to collect a pickaxe to break rocks and climb to the top of the level to collect a thing, but it wasn't like Donkey Kong. <laughs> Because after you collected the thing, you had to go into a door. That's oh. completely different. In Donkey Kong, you had to climb up a ladder. You're right. 100% different. Everything, everything's different about that. You're absolutely right. And there was a big monkey. What? And I think, and you were <laughs> chasing after a kidnapped lady, which I didn't think... I didn't think it was ever implied why Pickaxe Pete was doing what he did. I think he was just there for the love of pickaxing. Mm. Yeah, I, and finding keys. Aren't we all just there for the love of pickaxing, though? Well, certainly if we're into Minecraft. <laughs> oh, oh. <gasps> pickaxe Pete. There you go. There's the influence Shh, that Magnavox shit. Odyssey 2 had on the future of gaming. That's it. All it needs to do is insert inspiration into one mind. Maybe maybe Notch played pickaxe Pete when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and that inspired him to make Minecraft, and then that would justify the Magnavox Odyssey 2's entire existence. It really would. And hey, I remember it. <laughs> Maybe I was influenced by it. Ooh. Maybe there's a little kernel of that Magnavox Odyssey 2 style in everything I make. Is Do you think? It's entirely possible. <laughs> that, so what I'm hearing from you is no. Okay. <laughs> well, we don't know, do we? These things like drift into your subconscious. Maybe I'm writing something and because, for whatever reason, I remember playing um, War of Nerves on the Magnavox Odyssey 2 and I heard that little sound that's made when you win the battle. That sound a bit like do do do. Maybe if I was writing a book and needed to describe the sound of a bugle at the end of a battle, I would type do 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 <laughs> while thinking of that sound from <laughs> War of Nerves on the Magnavox Odyssey two, and then that it would have like its influence would carry on into the future mm. generations. Well, I guess we'll never know. I get you know the other thing in and I've never I've never touched. Uh, a Magnavox Odyssey 2. I have only, like, I've only watched videos of other people using it. Something, though, that did strike me, because I have played an Atari, and I always hated that stupid Atari controller, is the Odyssey 2 controller seemed a little easier to use. It, it seemed like a, a little easier to, to you know, actually move it around a little clearer when you were moving it in a solid direction. It seemed like a very nice controller for... Uh, a st- one stick and one button controller well i don't remember having any particular difficulties with it and i've never used the atari controllers so i can't really compare oh and I've, I've played a few atari it's oh it sucks okay well the other two controllers had a sort of an industrial lever feel to it that's nice yeah it, it was solid <laughs> you you know when you're pressing it in one direction that it's going in a certain direction yes and it had these had little notches around around the stick to uh like lock it into one direction oh sure to like signify the the what eight directions that it could go in yes yeah yeah did the atari controller do that no no it did not it was it was awful and i don't even think the atari had eight directions i think it only had four and so if you like wanted it to go like up and to the left, it would choose either up or left. It was just awful. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the Atari controller now. I just got that little dildo joystick with the rubbery stuff at the bottom. Ugh, uh, but muddly hey, mush. Hey, I just remembered the. I think it was the GameCube controller had analog sticks with that with the notches going around it. Yes, yes. 
The, oh, oh, the C stick. Well, one of the sticks had like little notches and going around it to press it into eight directions. Oh, you know what? Both of them did. So there you go. There's <gasps> the influence of the Odyssey too, putting little notches around the joystick. You did it. We found it. Uh, we found it, everyone. We found the legacy of the Odyssey 2. The Odyssey 2 influenced, in my opinion, the greatest controller ever made. There. Bet you feel stupid about talking shit about it now. I absolutely do. I, I unironically love the GameCube controller. I think it, it is one of my favorite controllers of all time. And yes, now I feel very, very silly. I, I liked the GameCube controller too. Oh, it just it might be because I had the GameCube before I had a PS2. Um, I'm tr- no, it's you know what that the the button layout was tactile. Yeah, I think that was their intention. They gave them a more organic layout that mm-hmm. had more in common with the movements that your thumb is capable of mm-hmm. while gripping the uh, the the handle. Whereas most, whereas pretty much every other controller just goes for like flat geometry. Well, and, and, you know, like whenever whenever they you mapped something to, you know, the X or the Y buttons on a GameCube controller, in the games, it would show you like the visual shape w- along with saying X or Y, right? Like if, I, yeah. if I'm remembering like uh, Zelda correctly. Uh, different, different shapes and different colors. Different shapes so and different could, colors, yeah. You would instantly know. And it's like I've been playing a ton of uh, of Ghost of Tsushima recently, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, whenever you do those like bamboo strikes and you have to like do the times, I always have to look down at my PS4 uh, controller because I always forget which button is the square and which is the circle and which is the triangle. Yeah, that's the problem with these cool futuristic looks. Right. Ex- what was my mind that Nintendo went from the GameCube controller to basically every Nintendo controller since? Oh, which have all been straight lines and perfectly centralized buttons and they tend to have like these rounded but still fairly sharp corners that always dig into my palms and feel sore after a while uh it's it's they 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 had this and you know of course the gamecube did not sell incredibly well it was a good little machine but yeah it didn't sell but I think I think if it had sold better, they would have kept with it. Like, do you remember? Do you remember that like beautiful curve that each of the shoulder buttons had? That just like your finger just nestled into those shoulder buttons. More than the curve, it was the tactile click when you push it all the way Ooh, in, which many games right. used as a mechanic. That's right, because you could half press and full press. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Mario Sunshine used to when you squirted the water. You could half press to move and squirt at the same time. That's right. Oh, the, listen, the GameCube controller is the greatest controller to ever exist. Everything else a, is a pale imitation. You can get a Switch Pro controller modeled on the GameCube controller, and I think I'm going to do that because my current Pro controller's got some pretty serious stick drift. Wait, can you? This is a yeah, real I've thing. Seen them. I've seen them. Oh, because like I know I have the the USB adapter. If you want to plug in an old GameCube controller to your PC. Um, which I have. Uh, the only problem is, you know, it doesn't have all of the buttons as a modern controller would have. Now, looking at it right now, you can get an official wireless GameCube-style controller for the Nintendo Switch. And according to the Amazon page, it's the preferred gamepad for Super Smash Brothers. Well, yes. Well, obviously, but, yeah. But if, if you can get it for the Switch, that means it would also work on the PC. Ooh. Right? Because Switch controllers do. Do they? Uh, yes. Well, that's... I suppose you can then 
Oh, man. Okay. I know what I'm buying today. <laughs> this, this, whole, this whole podcast has been worth it to discover that they make GameCube-style controllers. <laughs> yes. I, I guess we're both going to be buying a GameCube-style Switch controller at some point in the future. Hey, listeners, why don't you all buy GameCube-style Switch controllers and then we could all be in a club. It's true. I I think I think there there is a, a a hot debate as far as like which controller is the best controller. And obviously, like everyone has kind of muddled together into this like quasi Xbox PlayStation style controller. But the GameCube is the true king. Well, when you get right down to it, the GameCube uh, controller is still influenced by the DualShock. It's got the same number of buttons in roughly the same position. Mm-hmm. It's just the tactile positioning that counts. That's true. That's true. But it's they do it very well. All because of the Magnavox Odyssey and their little notches on their joystick. Thanks, Magnavox, who are now part of the Philips company, I believe. They're still around, but they're they're part of the Philips parent company, apparently. Sure. And they just make the standard consumer electronics. Mm. dvd players and shit but there's still one person just in the back going i got this idea for a new game console yes we'll, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bring it back we'll call it the odyssey five million. Ooh, no stick in, with the stick with the um ancient greek references call it the the odyssey argo or something Ooh, the magnavox iliad Ooh. <laughs> yeah no one would get that no that'd be that'd be it. They, they respond to names like xbox <laughs> it's the axe box it's it's got a it's a box that plays games and it's got the letter x on it it's got an x that means that's better because <laughs> x is like the coolest letter I t- you know is i think is better there friend is uh i got this here station and it plays games <laughs> no that's a stupid name no i got it's a sta- I like it's a sta- like a, my games station that doesn't have any x's in it at all that's true. It does not have any X's in it. So Xbox, is, but Xbox Series X has three X's in it. Oh, tarnation. It three X's like uh, what they make in the pornography films. I like that. Yes, and it's also a winning tic-tac-toe play. Oh, I didn't even think about that tic-tac-toe game. You got it. Oh, I guess there's an O in between the first and the second X, so I guess not. Oh, cat's game. It's cat's game. That means no one wins. I'd like to stop this riff now. Well, um, I think we'll wrap things up then. This was an extremely pointless nostalgia fueled podcast. <laughs> I think uh, one quality w- way to stop a riff. Uh, two, um, I think at the end of the day, Magnavox versus Super Nintendo, we can all agree that the GameCube has the best controller. There you go. <laughs> That's the lesson we've learned yes. from this podcast. Well, great. Hey, everyone, thanks for listening to this, the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. Remember, um, because we didn't talk about it very much, that this episode was about uh, our first gaming consoles, the Magnavox Odyssey 2 versus the Super Nintendo. And you can watch that episode over on escapismagazine.com. All right. Uh, and I was Yahtzee Croshaw. And I was Jack Packard. That's it from us. See you next time. Bye. Bye.